Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. Hello, High Heels and Politics listeners. There's an old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same, reminding us that history has a way of repeating itself. Guess what? Enriched uranium will be back on the topic of resurfacing in the rolling hills of Ohio. In 1954, the United States Atomic Energy Commission constructed in southeast Ohio the Portsmouth Gases Diffusion Plant, or as the locals refer to it, as the A plant. So we'll always be talking about the A plant. The massive complex in Pike County was one of three plants in the United States built to produce enriched uranium for the nation's nuclear defense system and later for its commercial nuclear reactors. Since the plant closed in 2001, the United States has gone from being the world's exporter of enriched uranium to what it is today, to the largest importer. Can you believe that it imports from Russia nearly 36% of the enriched uranium that is sold worldwide? Now, you know what? Pike County wants to change that equation. The United States Department of Energy launched the opening of Piketon's A plant to produce Halo. It will be the first time an American company will be producing Halo on American soil. So what does Halo stand for? Well, for high assay, low enriched uranium that will be used in power plants and light water reactors and also in the medical fields. With a flip of three switches, 16 giant cylinders began enriching uranium in October of 2023. Yes, just this October. Pike County Commissioner Tony Montgomery will be the High Heels and Politics guest to discuss the effects of the reopening of the A plant in the beautiful foothills of the Appalachian Mountains located about 90 miles east of Cincinnati. Welcome, Tony. Share the history of rural Pike County, the Native American mounds, and that's long Cold War, and even Roy Rogers, who lived close by. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate you coming to Pike County and listening to our story. Yeah, Pike County, we're not a very big county, not a big population, only about 27, 28,000 people. We're pretty small. And for a long time, it was just a farming community, had the river go through. There was a spur from the Erie Canal that went through Pike County. That was big business at the time through Waverly and down through Piketon 104. But what is Waverly? That is our county seat. That's this town. Yes, Waverly. Big is Waverly. It's not a city. It's a village. It's just below the 5,000 population to be a city. It's not very big, which is good. 
in my opinion, not that you don't want it to grow, but I like a small town. I mean, I was always raised on the west side of Pike County. My graduating class only had 55 people. We, everybody, my kids were born and raised on the west side of Pike County. They graduated from the same high school. They know everybody. So I like a small town. It's a mix of being a commissioner. You're trying to grow your county, but you also want to try to be able to keep your small town culture. But yeah, there is, there's a lot of history here as everywhere, but yeah, the, there's Indian mounds and that's, we're going to probably talk about them a little more later, but there's one big mound here just South of Piketon. There's some mounds out on the Ewings farm. There's a mound over down by Stockdale, just around the County. There are mounds around not all of them as big as the one there at Mound Cemetery, but there are. And I remember as a kid, this is up in Ross County, but there's Sipe Mound. And that's a big one. And we'd go up there and we'd roll down that hill all day long for a, whether a church picnic or something. But but it is interesting. In Adams County, there's Serpent Mound and there's there are Indian mounds around. Yeah. And it, what and it's just, Indian tribes lived in this? Was it? it was mostly the Shawnee. Okay. And the reason there's a lot of these mounds going north and south, they did a lot of their hunting in Kentucky or down by the river. And 23, this north and south corridor, that was... When settlers came, they used it because it was the trail was already there because Indians had made that trail. So how far <clears> is Pike <throat> County from Kentucky and the Ohio River? To drive, you're about 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah, to get okay. to the river. Yeah. I don't know how long it take an Indian to walk there, but we can drive there in about 30 or 40 minutes. What about Roy Rogers? Yeah, he was. He didn't live in Pike County, but he lived close. He lived in northern Scioto County. I, I know he wasn't born here, but we have a. My family has a farm out past the road he used to live on. So I know he lived on Duck Run. I know there's a lot more down in Scioto County. They have a big Esplanade thing down there to dedicate to Roy Rogers and have a festival every year. And it's a big, it's a big thing in Portsmouth. Be a great place for <clears throat> tourists to want to come to see the Indian Mound and still get there. You also have a big flea market. I do. Yes, my family owns a large indoor flea market about five miles south of Piketon. And we've been there since 1996. So I was 20, 25. We built the flea market. And so it's been there for 26 so there's years. lots yeah. of antiques and... Oh, yeah. A lot of time. antiques and crafts and all of those things. And especially in the summertime, you get your outside vendors and they bring different things every week. We have a kitchen and we have home-cooked meals. And so actually I had to work this weekend, Sunday. I had to work a few hours behind the counter myself, which, <laughs> and I should do it more because I love it. I love talking to people and I can always talk them into an extra order of French fries. Okay. <laughs> all right, Tony. Let's go to what we really are here for, to talk about the A-plant. It was operated from 1952 until 2001. What was the impact when it opened and operated, and then when it just one day stopped and the paychecks disappeared? What happened with Pike County? When the federal government decided that, for whatever reason, I, I probably have read it, why they decided here, it was like a bomb went off in this community. I mean, because there was nothing, not really anything here. This was a farming community and small businesses. And they came in and they bought up all of this ground. And there was actually two little communities. There was a, a, one little community called Sargent and one called Shyville, little towns, little settlements where the A-plant is now. And so they bought up all of this. The population of Pike County today, like I said, is just a little under 28,000 people. And at one time, there were 22,000 people working out there during construction. They were renting everything they could find. They, people were renting out chicken coops, 
Guys were rented. Two guys would rent the same bed. You sleep, I'm going to work. When I get back, you're going to go to work and I'm going to sleep in the bed. They were renting everything they could find to try to put people. My dad, who's 85, he was around when all this was going on. And he said, up and down the streets of Piketon and Waverly, you couldn't walk on the weekends. It was just, it was amazing what it did to this this community. This, And not just this community, the counties around. We couldn't hold all those people. Scioto County had a bunch of them, Jackson, Ross. It was massive what it did to this community when they came here. And it's truly amazing. It is a, a feat that in just a couple of years, at the time when they built the buildings out there, those buildings had the largest footprint of any buildings on the planet, one building at a time, like the 326. One building was the largest footprint of any building on the planet, and they built three of them. It's almost as large as the U.S. Pentagon. Yeah. And it's got how many acres of land? Each one of those buildings was 33 acres. The buildings themselves, and the, but the whole complex is 3,700 acres. Wow. But they went from nothing, just farm ground and hill ground, to within two or three years, they were enriching uranium. It was the most highly enriched uranium on the planet in just two or three years, and they did that here. And so I think it's amazing what they were able to accomplish. Nobody had ever heard of 99.7% enriched uranium, pure uranium. And they said, we can do that there. We can do that in Pike County. The workforce wasn't here, but they showed up. When I was a kid, everybody knew who worked at the egg plant because we I was raised on a dairy farm. We all knew who worked, whose parents worked at the egg plant because they had new cars. None of my family worked directly at the egg plant, but it brought so many people up from, say, Kentucky or those places where there wasn't a lot of work, uh, but they came here to build the schools. They came here to build the prisons and the, and all of those things that were that happened to the towns during the A-plant while the A-plant was being constructed. And all those people were going to, you know, a lot of them were going to stay and work and you needed facilities. That's why my family's here. We didn't work at the A-plant, but they came up here for work. That's why my dad came in 1956. It was still work that was happening because of the A-plant. Were you from Kentucky? At my that dad point? is. I sound like I am, but I was born and raised in Pike County. But my dad's from McGolfin County, Kentucky. And that okay. was the family I was raised around. But yeah. So the impact that it's had on this community, and then from then until now, the sad part about the A-plant is it's so big and it, and it has such a big budget that it has been used as a political football for years. It would be whoever the president is, and maybe he's upset a senator, and they would cut funding, and they would plan projects, and then they would not do them. And so that was always, it didn't have a big impact on me, but I knew guys that worked out there, oh man, I'm going to retire out here. And they would work four or five years, hey, you're laid off. It was tough. They were the best, it was the best paying wages. Now, some people worked there all the way through, but there was a lot of, for several years, there was a lot of, and it wasn't anything but politics. It really was. And and they did. They would add funding, pull funding, skip a project. Okay, but we come to 2001 and suddenly we close. Now what happens? Yeah, yes. And so they had, they operated all the way through till 2001. The good thing is, they they stopped production, but there was still a lot going on out there. All these buildings that need to be maintained. Yeah, the workforce did drop, but not substantially. They went from, say, 2,500 people to about 2,000 people. So it did drop because you still had to maintain all this. You still have all the equipment that still has some highly enriched uranium in it, converters and compressors and piping and buildings. And so then they started the plan then for the cleanup. Now that's what they're in the process of doing now. They've got the 326 building down and they're starting on these other buildings. And so that started pretty quick. Some of the other ancillary buildings that weren't all that important. 
bringing them down, shipping them away. So we haven't lost a lot of jobs yet, but every day they're working their way out of a job. The more, And I think the cleanup's not supposed to be completed until 2030 or 32 or something like that. But that hasn't yeah. killed it yet. So okay. if, if it did, it would have a huge economic impact on our so, community, though. Okay, so it really economically has an impact Pike County that much? Not much yet, yeah. Yeah. What do you understand is the primary reason for reopening this plant? And the uranium is called HALO. Right. What is HALO? High assay, low enriched uranium. And before, in the gaseous diffusion process, they were enriching this uranium, like I said, to 99.7% pure. Now they're only trying to get to about 15% for industrial use, not so much weapons grade. And that a lot of what they were doing before was for weapons grade. That's what they were doing. And so now it's not really that. And it's a different process. These are centrifuges. So before it was, they were pushing this uranium through these filters and converters and filtering it out to get it pure. Now they got these centrifuges and they spin and they just spin, and the more they spin, the purer it becomes, and it filters it out. But it's it's a different process. These are totally different buildings. It's on the same site, but it's totally separate. And these buildings were built, and once again, this has been part of the political football. These buildings were built back in the 80s. I can't remember. They had got up to the where they had 250 centrifuges in there, and then we decided there would be some other technology that would be better, and they came in and they cut all them out and cut them up and shipped them away. And our uranium production just halted because the laser technology never came along. Didn't work. How are people (laughs) accepting this opening? Are they aware here in Pike County? I think they are. It's been in the paper. They've had a a couple of big, big things go on out there. Actually, I think most people are excited. There may be some folks that are, we don't want this, but I think for the most part, people are excited because, hey, those jobs or, you know, these Folks are going to transition from this cleanup now to this new production. I know I'm excited about it. I know a lot of times when you say nuclear, people get scared. Correct. But in my opinion, I think nuclear energy, long-term consistent, that's the answer to for America is nuclear energy. These other ones are just wind, solar, those things are just not consistent. I think nuclear has to be the future. I know. And one of the things that they'll be producing from this really considered low uranium, is even used in the medical field for isotopes, whatever. Yeah, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm definitely not smart enough to understand all that, but mm-hmm. I know there are, there's so many uses. Yep. And I think one of the biggest reasons why this is half, having to happen is I think our federal government has painted themselves in a corner, which is good for us. They really wanted this small nuclear reactor technology out there. And they said, listen, but they're also the law is if you can manufacture these things, you can only buy domestic uranium, which sounds great other than the fact that we weren't making any domestic uranium. And so these companies, there's one like Oklo who's made a commitment out here and there's other you know, GE and all these other Bill Gates has got a company that's producing these things, manufacturing these things. There's no fuel to buy. We have said, you guys do that. And even some of these, we put out grants, we put out loans, and now they're like, okay, we have a product. We have these small nuclear reactors, and you don't have any fuel. And this is the only spot in the United States that can have fuel soon. The plan, what? they plan to have 20 kilograms by the end of the year. We're talking it was <clears throat> opened up, what, October like 16th? Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the president of Centris was here and they hit the buttons and, and they started spinning. And so the good part is, like I said, the federal government has painted themselves in a corner. And now these companies are like, we need this fuel. 
And so they have to produce it here. The closest place. You brought up the name Centrum. Well, Centrum is going to be the company that's going to be operating. They're the contractor, yes. Yes. Let me ask you this. People say, did anybody do an environmental impact assessment before the opening? Oh, yeah. There's been so many environmental assessments and studies, and and there's studies going on right now. There's health and safety studies going on right now because of the plant. They're so ongoing. There's results. And then there's another study that build off this study. And an, an ongoing environmental issue anyhow yes. since the closing of the plant. Right. Yes. And there have been some issues. I know our community, we would have liked to have had a little more say in some of the cleanup. We have an on-site waste disposal cell that all of that, a lot of that debris from the old plant is being put in that cell. There's a lot of my community didn't want that. And, and they voiced that they didn't want it. Then when the when it came, the decision came down, no, you're going to get a sale. And so my, or the community fought that to a degree and some of the things. And, I, and there have been some environmental impacts here. I'm positive. Everybody knows, hey, if you worked out at the plant, you had a higher risk of cancer. And so there is a, there's a sick workers program. That's not that's the federal government not saying, yeah, it was our fault. They won't take. But if you get sick and for certain reasons, there's money. So, so they don't they're not taking blame. <laughs> but no. the, they'll compensate. So that kind of <laughs> covers my question about what safety is being implemented. And right. you answer that. What about poten- or potential accidents? Does uh, the cylinders blow up or can anything happen? I don't know. I know technology from 1952 until now, the technology has you know, gotten so much better and the safety procedures are so much better. And the I guess the chance of those kind of industrial accidents are, is a lot lower than what they ever have Happen. been. Okay. Yeah. I've been in the buildings. We had a tour there not long ago. We weren't real close, but we were, I don't know, 100 feet away from the cylinders. And they were, it is a dangerous operation, but it's very controlled. And there's high technology that it, that has it all mm-hmm. under control. Let me ask you this. I'm sure that there may be people who want to try to get into that plant. Is there some security measure to prevent unauthorized access? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you pull up, you're not just going to say, hey, I want to go in there and look. No, it's not going to happen. There's gates and there's security checkpoints. And there is. we were there a couple of weeks ago for this grand opening and they had all the all the important people. And so we all had to go through security check. We all had to send all of our information. They did background checks on us. Even even some of these were elected officials. We're going to have your information <laughs> or, or you're going to sit in the parking lot. But yeah, it would. I couldn't even tell you a plan that you could get access to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What impact has this had on local businesses and job opportunities? <clears throat> I think you've answered that in a way. Um, yeah. But you, it's been an ongoing plant anyhow. Yeah. And if it wasn't for if it wasn't for the A plant, what would the population of Pike County be? And the businesses that we would have would probably be 30%, 40% less than what it is now. But thankfully, it is here. And it has made put Pike County on the map. And it is it's made us important when otherwise we may not have been. We get a lot of political attention because of the A-plant. There's very few places, especially in the state of Ohio, that you can say, we got 2,000, 2,500 people work out there. And so that that carries a lot of weight when it comes to politics. So, yeah, we get to see a lot of our officials that a lot of counties don't get to see, and we see them on a regular basis. This Piketon plant, who's going to have access, really, to this low uranium, enriched uranium? As far as the public or somebody like that being, I'm not, I don't know what their safety, total safety procedures are. 
and I know some folks that, that, that work out there and, you know, they're, and they're hiring every day right now, but I don't know. I don't know how you would get access to it. I know what it's for. I yeah, know a lot but of it, I think know. it's mainly the government that will have right. access. Now, I don't know if, because back in the day when they, when the gaseous diffusion part was running, if you go out there and take a tour, you can see on some of the old buildings, there were little, little huts on top of the building. And those had men with rifles 24 hours a day in those protecting, protecting what was going on out there. But, but that was weapons grade uranium and it was the cold war and the Russians were coming to get us and they were coming to get our uranium. So that's Correct. what we thought. Yep. And I guess maybe they would have, uh, but if they could have, well, so I, I, I don't think it'll be that level of security is needed yeah. now. But Tony, let's be honest, only plant in the United States manufacturing this and in the past, the United States was importing all its enriched uranium from Russia. Oh, I'm sure and- Russia is not happy with this because this is competition. Because everything else that, that America goes to do, we're going to do it bigger, better, and faster. That's just right. what we do. I see this plant firing up, and I see us producing better uranium, faster, more efficient than anybody else. And so when we start putting uranium on the market, then Russia is going to lose market they're going to lose some business, which is fine by me. And some of these other companies, they're not happy, or these other countries, they're not happy that we're firing back up. Yeah, they're not happy. They're going, if I guess, if at all possible, they'll disrupt it. They tried yeah. before. You mentioned the word centrist energy. They're the operating plant. It occupies only a sliver of the huge facility, which is the size of the facility. The A plant is about the size of the Pentagon. Do you have any idea if anybody's talking about the long-term plans for the plant? Oh, absolutely. That's where we're spending a lot of energy, a lot of time. SODI, Southern Ohio Diversification Initiative, that's the organization that the federal government is passing along real estate to. As they clean it up, they deem it safe. They pass this real estate on to SODI, which I'm on that board. It's SODI's job then to reindustrialize this site and sell this ground, find companies. And there is so much interest right now. It is amazing as compared to three or four years ago. There are calls, there's a lot of interest. So we're getting ready to close a deal on the first 80 acres that they gave to us to a a hydrogen plant, uh, Trillium. This looks like new information to you. They're going to produce hydrogen there. And so we're getting ready to close on the real estate and they're hoping to be done and up and operational by the fourth quarter of 2027. And the other name of the company is Trillium Energy, a guy by the name of Wiley Rhodes. He's from Oklahoma and I talk with him all the time. And this this is the only location in the United States that has the infrastructure and the electric grid to be able to be used this easy. That's happening. I mentioned Oklo, which is a small nuclear reactor company. They're a producer, manufacturing these things. They're, they've made a commitment to bring two reactors here. And it just so happens the fuel that they need is going to be next door. So they're looking at a 200-some-acre piece, Oklo is. And not only that, they're looking at maybe manufacturing those things here. There is the world's largest collection of nickel on that site because there was nickel in those converters. They, that's what they used. They pushed this uranium through this nickel as like a filter and it was on the outside. There is a massive amount of nickel on that site there. It's in the converters. It needs to be taken out and cleaned and used. And so there's a battery company looking at the site 
because this large collection of nickel that's there, how handy would that be? Because you need a lot of nickel to produce batteries. You, Correct. You, and that's the area, that's the direction could, we're going in. From what I understand, you they could put a nickel plant or a battery plant here, and it would be decades before they would have to go find nickel on the market. And this Trillium company, they have options on more real estate. They understand this is something big here. This, um, this is history making. <laughs> it is. And so I'm just happy. I'm excited that I'm able to see it starting to come to pass. So, yeah, there is, hopefully, there's not enough room out there for all that is looking to be done. So there's some big things going to happen. There's some big things starting to happen. And Centris is, and the uranium enrichment, I think that's just, I think that's just a, a start. And we say, one of my other commissioners, he says this all the time with the uranium, the hydrogen, maybe batteries, the small nuclear reactors. Your Ross County, they produce trucks. They have the big Kenworth factory up there. They produce trucks and those kind of things. In Pike County, we make energy and we're going to make energy. We are going to be an energy hub. And it, that is what, that's the plan. This is fantastic, Tony. It, it is. really is. I get excited. I get yeah, chill bumps well, when I think I about am how. too. We're talking about Pike County becoming the energy hub of the United States of America. And it, it has the capabilities with because the grid, that is a major hub of the electric grid out there. Because at one time, that, that plant used more electricity than New York City. Now all those electric lines are still there. All that infrastructure is still there. This is the only place in the United States that this can happen quickly and efficiently. And we're happy to do it. And I know I say this all the time. Pike County, we shouldered in this community, we shouldered the United States' capability of making weapons-grade uranium to win the Cold War, to not only fight it, but to win the Cold War. We shouldered that, and we were proud to. This is great. And so we were happy to do that. Yes, it paid good wages, but we were happy to take on that responsibility. In this little bitty community, this little on the hills of Appalachia, and we were happy to take that on. And now and I tell people, I tell everybody that will listen, we're ready again to shoulder this responsibility. You just give it to us. We'll be here. We've yeah. done it before. We can do it again, and we will do it better than anybody else. We've proven that. I'm going to tell you, I think our governor, Mike DeWine, has done a tremendous <clears throat> job in encouraging all these companies and it takes the encouragement it because does. it could have been another state that could have gotten this. Right. But here we are with Pike County back in the fold. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I really uh, <laughs> love this conversation. Just want to go back, Tony. Where are these Indian mounds located in around Pike County? Let's just um, go. Because I want to attract tourists to, <laughs> to come to Pike County. One of the biggest ones is just south of Piketon. It's on Piketon is just south of Waverly. It's another it, little, it's a village. And that's where that A plant is really. Yes, is in it's Piketon. closer to Piketon. Yes, it's not inside the village limits or anything, but it's closer to Piketon than it is Waverly. Yes. Another thing, Tony, Pike County has been in the news over the past few years because there was a slaying of eight family members. You spoke strongly on the need for pursuing justice. Tell our listeners a little bit about this whole Wagner family 
incident in Pike County? This happened just before I came into office. I think I was still campaigning or had started campaigning when this massacre, and it was a massacre. He killed eight people in their beds for the most part in one night. It was, once again, Pike County was in the news for something big. Not good news, but we were in the news. And it was a jolt because we didn't know what happened. Nobody knew. We didn't know that it was another local family. We thought, was this was this a hit from a cartel? Was this, we didn't know what this was. We really didn't. So a lot of people were scared. But as it went on and the investigation, and by the way, BC, Ohio BCI did an outstanding job. They really did. They were very thorough. I wasn't, wasn't a part of it, talked to them some, but they did a great job to, and they used some of the, this was the most studied crime scene in Ohio's history was this crime scene. But as it came to light and the investigation went to where there was arrests of some of the Wagner family, and we all know these people because you were, it's you, small you community. Friends. Yeah, we were, we just, we knew these people. We had done some, my family, we, my family's got a lot of businesses in the county and in the area. We've done work for the Wagners. We've put in septic systems. We've put, hauled gravel for their driveway. We have, well, we've done that for hundreds of people. They just happened to be another family. The rodents, I didn't know them well, but when my mother was in nursing home, the one, the rodent lady, the mom, she helped take care of my mom in the nursing home. So just because we're a small community, we're all entangled together. So then as we learned that this is another local family killed them, it was a big impact. And yeah, and it was important because as the attorney general, Dave Yost at the time was coming down talking about this, these trials that were going to come and he's, these are going to cost millions of dollars. We didn't have millions of dollars. At the time, our budget was only $9 million for the whole county, for our county general. So you say, hey, you got trials probably going to cost three, four million dollars. I don't know where we're going to get that money. But the state has been great. They really have. They have stepped up and they have funded almost all of this. And it has, and I know there was some legislation that was, they tried to pass for smaller counties, smaller communities that, that couldn't do this. Something like this hits Franklin County or Hamilton County. That's going to cost them, but they can do that. But Pike County, we couldn't do that. So our biggest fear, though, for a long time was we really wanted justice to happen, but we didn't want money to hinder that from happening. But if that would have been left onto just Pike County, I don't know what the outcome would be. I, I really don't because it would have bankrupt us for us to try and have justice served for this massacre. So we couldn't be more thankful and appreciative for the state to step up and the legislature to step up, and they have funded this for the most part. And it seems justice is being served. One of them's been found guilty. The other two are cutting deals. It's happening, and, I, and it's all because the legislature has helped out Pike County. Interesting. I know many people have probably listening to this podcast wondered what was the outcome yeah. uh, of the... Yeah, uh, and they got another the, trial coming. George is, or uh, Bobby, his, no, not Bobby, Billy, <laughs> his trial is coming up. And now they're trying to figure out if they can do it in Pike County or if they need to change venue because they only got 28,000 people and everybody's heard. <laughs> so it's yeah. going to be tough to field a jury. Not saying they can't, but it's going yeah. to be tough after there's already been one. So it was the Wagner family that was slain by the rodents. Nope, the other way around. The Wagners killed the rodents, yes. The rodents, okay. And how many, and there were eight people. Eight people, yeah. The mother, the father. Yep, mother, father, brother, yep, daughter. Interesting, isn't it? And we know these, one of the aunts of one of the rodents, they buy property off of us. We see her once a month. She comes in, makes her payment. 
a lot of this, it, my family was interviewed on this investigation just because we knew them and we do a lot of business in the counties. I was interviewed by BCI, my brother, my dad. It was, it was a big investigation that took in a lot of people. When you say BCI, what does that say The Bureau of Criminal, criminal Investigation. Crimes. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Ohio BCI. Yes. I know. Sometimes these Ackermans get uh, lost yeah, I know. in it. Yes. Tony, I got to say, this is a fantastic interview about... This little rural, small county <laughs> that is really nationwide, everyone knows you. They do. And yet nobody <clears throat> seems to know you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We, I find that a lot. We go places and tell people where we're from and they don't like, I don't know where Pike County is. We've got the A-plan. Oh, yeah, I know about that. Yeah. Or they've heard about the murders. Oh, we yeah. go down to West Virginia and there's, we've got a place down in West Virginia and Two doors down, a guy, a friend of mine, he's a neurologist and he's from Cameroon and he knew about the Wagners. He knew about this trial. Oh, yeah. It <laughs> so, was, it was, uh, before I ever talked to him. Yeah. Tony, if somebody wants to <clears throat> contact you about any of parts of our interview or Pike County itself, how can they contact you? Um, the easiest is just to contact the county commissioner's office. And then if it if they need to pass you on to the visitors bureau or chamber or one of us commissioners, it, it may be just best to contact here. Phone number is 740-947-4817. Say it very slowly. Oh, 740-947-4817. Hi, Heels and Politics listeners. If you want to contact Tony Montgomery, he is a presiding judge of the... Pike County County Commissioners. Chairman, I, yeah. You're the chairman. Chairman, yes. Okay. I made you what? Judge. Hey, and I'm not <laughs> against it, but <laughs> I dropped well, out of college twice, so they wouldn't let me be a judge. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I want to thank you for <clears throat> your commitment and dedication to your public service and what you have really done for Pike County. And before we go, one thing is we don't know the name of your flea market. Oh, it's 23 Southbound Flea Market. 23 Southbound yes, Flea Market. because it's on the southbound lane of 23. Oh. My daughter, Abby, runs a flea market for us. She's there every Saturday and Sunday. You have to understand that those of us who love flea markets want to know where they are yeah. in this <laughs> estate. So once again, thank you very much. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us together on High Heels and Politics. Thank you very much. High Heels and Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. Subscribe to High Heels and Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.